Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Secrets of Fail series right here on the Map Round Show, where we're talking about our failures in business. I know. Yes, it's happening. So with us on the line in the hot seat today uh, is none other than Andrew Neal, the CEO of Outreach Indiana. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure to be here. So, Andrew, why don't you quickly kick us off with the elevator pitch about Outreach Indiana? What are you guys up to? What problem are you trying to solve? Uh, Kick us off. Yeah, absolutely. So we are all about ending youth homelessness, starting in our hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, where an estimated 7,800 14 to 24-year-olds experience homelessness each year. And so we do this by connecting youth to the right relationships and resources uh, so that they can experience stability and life transformation. Andrew, how big is this problem? Yeah, uh, it's pretty rampant. I mean, we know that there are thousands of youth every year that experience homelessness, and the majority of them uh, fall through the cracks and are not receiving services. So, Andrew, what is your story of fail for our audience around the world today? (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, I'll I'll actually tell you about a time at my last nonprofit organization where we started three social enterprises in three months in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, So to give you a little context, in 2016, I was a co-founder of a nonprofit organization uh, that served an under-resourced community in the areas of reentry. So we helped those who were reentering from addiction, incarceration, and homelessness. Uh, we served those in youth development and in housing. Um, and in 2016, I was the first employee of that organization. And by 2021, we had grown to a $2 million operating budget with a staff of 20. And at that point, I was uh, the, C- the COO of the organization. And in the spring of 2021, Uh, we had lost out on a grant opportunity that would have resulted in us building uh, a barbecue restaurant and a coffee shop that would employ clients in our reentry and youth development programs. Um, And in in all honesty, our staff, when they found out that we lost out on this grant opportunity, they breathed a huge sigh of relief. Um, They just felt like we were already at max capacity as an organization. Um, Well, what happened after that was uh, our, our CEO and I both took that rejection and we decided uh, kind of against the advice of our senior leadership team uh, to, to start some social enterprises anyways. So our CEO, uh, he went and he launched a, a breakfast burrito company. Um, and my passion was on the youth development side. So I decided to go launch my own social enterprise, which was a lawn care and landscaping company. Uh, but then we went and kind of extended it even further, and we launched launched a construction and demolition company. All of this while our staff was begging us to put on the brakes. Um, they were telling us that the growth had been too much, and internally, all of our systems were crumbling. So by the fall of 2021, we had shut down the burrito company and the lawn care company. Uh, the burrito company was bleeding thousands of dollars a month due to an unsustainable business model. And uh, while the lawn care company was making a profit, it was draining the resources of our staff. And today, uh, the burrito company and the lawn care company remain closed. The construction company is on life support. Uh, The CEO has been terminated. And I've taken a position as CEO of another organization. So it was a pretty epic fail, Matt. Epic is the word (laughs) you took right out of my mouth. (laughs) So, So... Andrew, what did that 
teach you? What's the lesson that you now take with you moving forward? Mm, absolutely. That's a good question. So um, what, what I learned from that, you know, was threefold. Uh, number one, you know, listen to your team. I, I think our staffs, um, they serve as a pulse for the health of the organization. Um, and if you're, if you're hearing a resounding no to an opportunity, there's got to be a reason behind that. If we trust our staff uh, to be uh, those individuals who can speak into the growth of our organization, then we need to trust them even when uh, they're, they're hesitant to opportunities. So number one, listen to your staff. Um, number two, don't operate in isolation. You know, I, I think reflecting back on it, each of those social enterprises uh, failed because you had two of the leaders of the organization off doing uh, two separate businesses. And so um, our, our, we, we weren't as uh, put together, we weren't as uh, powerful as when we had come together previously to do the work with one another. So operating in isolation just, just doesn't work. And then, you know, as a nonprofit organization, we constantly deal with this. The reality is growth for growth's sake is never sustainable. Um, it's not the way to move forward just because you have an innovative idea or a, uh, a fantastic opportunity. Just taking advantage of it because it exists is not enough. Uh, you have to be able to piece it together within the strategies uh, and, and the outlook for the organization to make sure that it can last well beyond that initial startup phase. Yeah, I have, I've had the, a similar experience, different context in the sense of you know, because uh, I'm a, I'm a visionary. Most most founders are visionaries. They can see the future before it actually happens, um, and then they build a business around solving that problem. That so that the future looks different, so it's transformed as a consequence. So what we'd like, what we do, what I do personally for sure is I get my wife's always giving me shit about it in the sense of she's like, just stay where you are. Like you don't need to go like, you know, off piste and then cross that massive ocean and try and launch this new thing. Just stay where you are. Like, you know, as long as you, ha as long as you're solving a problem and you, you know, you're making a difference to your point, especially as a nonprofit, um, then, and you're making money and you, and your staff are happy. The worst thing that I do is get romanced about the new shiny stuff and forget about where we are and what we're actually trying to do. And that's, definitely wound me up in tr in trouble before yeah that's great that's great wisdom for sure so andrew if you could go back in time what would you do differently oh man i mean we we never would have started any of those businesses um i as i reflect back up uh on on my leadership at that time um i think there was a a role that I needed to play as COO uh, to my CEO, who who also was a visionary. So you've got two two of your top leaders who are both visionaries and who want to push the ball forward. Um, we needed a a third uh, person in there who who could play that role of the breaks because neither one of us uh, was self aware enough to realize that we couldn't say no to these opportunities. And so now in, in my current organization, I'm surrounded by a senior leadership team um, that is very much the, the brakes to my gas. Uh, I still get to be the visionary, but I have people intentionally picked to surround me who can kind of look for those blind spots and say, hey, wait a minute, we may need to think about this. Yeah, that's such good advice, such good advice. <laughs> So let's double click on, on that. What advice do you have for CEOs, Andrew? 
given your experience to date, what advice uh, and you know in terms of failure or growing a business do you want to share with uh, our audience today? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think it starts with self-awareness, Matt. Um, if you don't have the self-awareness to understand uh, what role you play in an organization, you're going to try to play all the roles and you're going to fail at it. Um, you know, for a lot of us uh, who are leading organizations, we are the visionaries. Uh, and so we know that we we need a sandbox to create in. Um, and so you have to be able to find what that defined sandbox is. And you need people to keep you in that sandbox. I know it sounds like we're, we're, we're acting like children, in it, but in, in a way we kind of are. I mean, we, we want to play, we want to have fun, we want to build and grow, uh, but we need some guardrails around each of us and having the self-awareness to say, hey, that's me. And can you help me stay in this lane? Uh, that, that takes a lot uh, for each CEO. Andrew, sometimes I've found that we only learn these lessons when it's too late, like the consequences come and gone. And obviously, as you know, I'm sure hindsight's a perfect science. So when you think about the process of becoming self-aware as a business owner, do you have any methods or frameworks or any other kind of reference or insight that you would like to share to a founder such as myself who is unaware of you know, I'm a visionary, but actually here's what's happening. You know what I mean? Like you, here's the car crash that you don't see. How do you develop self-awareness? What advice do you have there? Mm, I mean, there's a number of great tools that are out there. You know, we, we use the Enneagram a lot. If you haven't used that, uh, me, I'm, I'm, I'm a seven, uh, which is very much like, I want to go, I'm the energy, I'm, I'm vision all the time. There's a lot of other really good assessments, but I think at the end of the day, it's about asking those who know you best for the truth and for honesty. And if, if you were to pull in, you know, three of your, your direct reports and say, hey, give it to me honest. This isn't, you know, your job isn't on the line. This doesn't affect your, your performance or uh, your pay. But I want to know, how do I lead? Um, it, where do you see my strengths? Where do you see my weaknesses? If you can create that kind of a culture, you're going to be confronted with the truth in a way that may be surprising, may be encouraging, but will definitely be challenging. Here's what I've learned. No one will tell you you suck to your face, especially if you're a CEO. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, no, but your you're wife amazing, will. Andrew. Every sense of the word, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why we have, that's why like our spouses are so important, Matt, because my wife will tell me when I suck and I need to listen. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're hitting on a pertinent, a, a very important point. It's about that culture, right? If you could, you said if you can create the culture where people have the freedom to say what they want to say without fear of retribution or losing their jobs or being looked over for increase or promotion or whatever, then that that's really the art, isn't it? Because um, I find um, that as leaders it's really a, a difficult, a super hard to get right. Because I think, especially if you get to 25 people, it's you're kind of getting middle management and, you know, it, it's, the structures are there and all that kind of stuff. If you have if you have five people, you can have that conversation relatively frank because it's everyone's just in it and it's war every day. But when you reach a certain scale, it starts to, well, the importance of it starts to shift in the way that you construct that environment of trust because it's difficult. I mean, people don't want to tell you that you suck. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's the quote that uh, we always say in business? Culture eats strategy for breakfast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Except when strategy beats culture, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the more we, the more I build businesses, the more I like, and I realize how much I don't know. So, <laughs> man, we're just trying to figure out. We're we're building the plane as we're flying it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Andrew, thanks for being on the show, dude. Your perspectives matter, and thank you for being vulnerable on uh, the Secrets of Fail series on the Map Round Show. I appreciate you. Cheers, everyone. 